Today's edition of the Derek Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Life Change Tea. Why go to GetTheTea.com? Because this important news could change your life. Socrates made a statement saying that all disease starts in the gut. Take care of your gut, and well, the rest speaks for itself. Life Change Tea is a wonderful way to aid in your digestion. Brew it, steep it, drink it, and feel it go to work. We at Life Change Tea have been around for years helping people just like you feel better. Lots of testimonials and lots of happy people. Log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. GetTheTea.com. Alrighty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 26th of April, 2022. Happy Tuesday. Happy, happy, joy, joy. We shall see if the deal goes through, but as of now, it looks as though Elon Musk is going to be able to buy Twitter, which is freaking hilarious, because the left is freaking out about it. I am Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Podcast. Thank you for downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast to enter the contest there. Brad, is it, it's Brad Thor versus, uh, Kay, uh, not Kaylee McEnany. No, it, it, I had to pull a book out of my thing. The Gosnell book signed by Anne McElhaney, Irish names, and Fella McLear. Both, uh, I think she might be British. He's definitely Irish. Um, cool people. Autographed by both of them. They are making the movies that matter, to be honest with you. So go there and enter. Also, you get the weekend F and review. And as a special bonus, today, starting at midnight, so well, just after midnight, I posted some pictures of the girls. We went to a street festival, and it was a lot of fun. So while I'm standing, there's a long-ass line for the guy making balloon animals. Like, uh, and then a long-ass line of kids upset that they popped their balloon animals. But I had to stand in this line, and they were getting antsy because they don't understand the concept of waiting. So we, uh, the wife went and bought capes and masks with their letters of their first names on it, which is, the pictures are super cool and super cute. So they're fighting crime. Uh, is what they're doing, posing like the Statue of Liberty and things like that. So you can see those pictures. That's the kind of bonus stuff that we get. It's just a sample of the bonus stuff. So patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. Also, don't forget to go to getthetea.com. Getthetea.com, life change tea. You, uh, the tea that will change your life. Use promo code Derek at checkout. You heard at the beginning. Use promo code Derek at checkout. Click apply. You get free fast shipping on top of everything else. Okay, now let's get on with the show. Lots of stuff going on, but I guess we have to start with the big news. The big news right now, and it's, you know, who knows? This is the funny thing about the old joke. It's not, I don't know how old the joke is, but if you want to make God laugh, make a plan. And that's really where we are at this point, because that uh, this was not going to happen. This was not going to happen at all. The board was against it. They were going to stand up to that evil Bond villain, and everybody suddenly started calling Elon Musk a Bond villain. Uh, but now it looks as though Elon Musk is going to be able to buy Twitter. At least that's the reporting as of this moment. 
It can change at any moment. But got this from Reuters. Twitter Incorporated is poised to agree on a sale uh, to Elon Musk for around $43 billion in cash. The price the chief executive of Tesla has called his best and final offer for the social media company people familiar with the matter said. Now, what's funny here is if you, it was just laughing, you don't have to sit there and go, if you remember last week, I assume, unless you're Joe Biden, you remember last week. It was just last week. But last week they were talking about what? Well, the board was uh, putting in the poison pill. The board was blocking this. They were not going to, you can take your money and stuff it in a sack, Mr. Musk. We don't want, and what happened? God, it's it's a burden sometimes to be as, as right as I am. People, including Elon Musk, started reminding the board of their fiduciary duty. When somebody's offering you essentially 9% more than the company is worth. To dismiss it out of hand without even giving them a say was, uh, let's just say, a shirking of that fiduciary responsibility, which is only to be concerned about the financial well-being and the investments of the shareholders. That's it. Within bounds of the law. If it involves, you know, we're going to double the price of the stock, all we have to do is dump mercury in the drinking water. And, you know, you don't have, you didn't dump mer mercury in the drinking water. You, uh, you missed an opportunity to double the price of the stock. Okay, that's uh, fiduciary duty within the bounds of the law. Elon Musk is not the equivalent of dumping mercury into the drinking water as much as Democrats would like you to believe that he is simply because he is proposing to return freedom of speech to the public square, which he calls Twitter. If freedom of speech is a threat to your existence and you oppose it, you're probably a fascist. That's just a good rule of thumb. If the idea that other people will be able to speak freely bothers you so much, your instincts are fascistic. So being reminded of their fiduciary duties, Elon Musk also started grousing about maybe he's going to take this directly to the shareholders and bypass the board altogether. Hey, would you like, you know, almost 10% more than you currently have in stock? And you have to remember, the stock is up like 38% since it was announced that, that Elon Musk had actually taken an almost 10% share of the company. So the, the, the stock is already up, you know, almost 40%. You add another almost 10%. We'll just call it like 45%, even though it's probably closer to 50%. The stock is up 45% recently. So that means that people who've had stock for a while are suddenly seeing a nice increase in their portfolio. But you don't get that increase in that portfolio unless you sell the stock. If Elon Musk walks, if Elon Musk says, yeah, we're, uh, it's not worth the hassle anymore, and he sells his shares, his 9.2%, if he dumps them, the stock price will crater. It'll go back probably lower than it was before it was announced that he was buying up shares. That would be, again, the responsibility of the board and a violation of their fiduciary duties to not even give the shareholders the option. 
And all of this denying the shareholders the option was not about, well, we really think that Elon, if Elon Musk gets his hands on this company, he will ruin the company. That has nothing to do with their fiduciary duty. If Elon Musk wants to buy the company to shut it down, <laughs> it would be his right. Uh, but if he, if he's, if his leadership were so incompetent that it caused the company to crash, you know who that would impact outside of well, is is his co-investors. He's only putting up like twenty billion, and he's got investors to put up the rest. That's who it would impact. If you sell the shares, if you sell the company, it goes private to Elon Musk, and then it goes belly up. The shareholders are no worse for the wear. They're actually still sitting there counting the money that they made. You could, I suppose, theoretically argue that somewhere down the road in some mythical land of unicorns and rainbows that uh, they had a plan that would have turned the company profitable even though in the um, uh, what 15 years since its founding, nobody has demonstrated any way to do it, anything close to that, that they were just around the corner from making, making it possible. Then I suppose you would say, well, and that then would have made the stock worth more. That's a one hell of a hypothetical to have to argue there because the business model of Twitter doesn't seem to be to have anything to do with making a profit at this point. So we'll see if this all comes together. The story from Reuters continues. Twitter may announce that the $54.20 per share deal later on Monday once its board has met to recommend the transaction to Twitter shareholders, the source said. It is always possible that the deal collapses at the last minute, the source added. Musk, the world's richest man, according to a tally by Forbes, is negotiating to buy Twitter in a personal capacity, and Tesla is not involved in the deal. Twitter has not been able to secure so far a go shop provision under its agreement with Musk that would allow it to solicit other bids once the deal is signed, the source said. Still, Twitter would be allowed to accept an offer from another party by paying Musk a breakup fee, the source added. Who's going to pay more than the company is already worth? It's already an inflated stock. Elon Musk has the luxury of being fabulously wealthy, that he can go and say, you know what, if this costs me $20 billion, it costs me $20 billion. Oopsie. That isn't even 10% of his net worth. Let that sink in. That isn't even 10. If he had to finance the whole thing by himself, $43 billion, that would be about, what, 12, 13% of his net worth? Given the rate of stock and that Tesla just posted like record profits, and I, I think I think he'll be okay. I think Elon Musk will be okay. The one thing Elon Musk might have difficulty with, but again, he's got government contracts with SpaceX. He's got a whole bunch of sales already lined up that he has to fulfill for Tesla. He'll be okay for a while. But the one thing is if the left-wing mob turns on him. And if the left-wing mob fully turns on him. Oh, they're very critical of him now because they're scared to death and they despise the concept of free speech for you and me. But if the left-wing mob turns on him and they actually do some sort of effective boycott, I don't know how effective it could be. I mean, I guess they get their celebrity friends to cancel their Tesla orders or whatever, but 
He almost seems too big to fail at this point. But if they do even try to mount a we must make Elon pay for, I don't know, allowing freedom of speech to return to the Internet, if you have to do that, um, I don't believe it'll, it won't matter all that much. By the way, have you noticed that all the arguments against Elon Musk owning Twitter really boil down to one thing, which Elon Musk hasn't even really said he's going to do. I guess it's just implied. And I saw it again this morning. The idea that Donald Trump will return to Twitter, that, that Elon Musk will allow Donald Trump to return to Twitter. David Frum who is a, a big lefty for the Atlantic. He, le- he used to be a speechwriter for George W. Bush. The, George W. Bush was really just, frankly, the worst administration for what it did to the conservative movement in the Republican Party. You got uh, Nicole Wallace, Elon Musk, uh, and you add in, um, what's his, John McCain, those two together, uh, right there, eight years and then a failed presidential bid. And you get Steve Schmidt, you get all these horrible people coming on of that. David Frum this morning, quote, would an Elon Musk owned Twitter restore the Trump account? Restoring Trump is a big concession to GOP anti-big tech themes. On the other hand, how secretly glad are McConnell, McCarthy, and DeSantis that Trump isn't on this platform dominating the news cycle every day. Every single argument that I've seen against Elon Musk owning Twitter aside from the very few liberals who are honest enough to just basically say they they want to be able to silence critics, has to do with whether or not Donald Trump will come back. He lives so rent-free in their hands, it's not even funny. What's really funny, though, and which makes it kind of unlikely, I would, I would think it would be unlikely. And if I've invested in Trump's moves since the White House, I'd hope he wouldn't return is because he's got his own social media platform. He started Truth Social. If he then goes, oh, thank God, I'm back. Now, he did it with other people's money, so it wouldn't cost him very much or anything at all. I don't know how much he's got of his own, if anything, he's got in there. But if he goes running back to, oh, Twitter and my 40 million followers, ever, this is great, and just abandons what he's put his money into, well, what he's put other people's money into, I I would just predict another lawsuit. I I mean, he should come back if only just to make his Twitter account a nonstop feed for his his other adventures and his other uh, attempts to uh, start social media company. I think if he's not involved in Getter, he might as well be. I don't know. I've, I've signed up for, I think I signed up for, I know I have a Truth Social account. I never used it because you can't just browse. You can't just, I want to, it was like, just follow these people. And I'm like, I don't want to follow these people. I don't really care for those people. I know some, I don't want to follow them. And like, but let me see what's going on. No, you couldn't see, at least when I looked, you couldn't see anything without following it. So I was like, well, I'm done. <laughs> and then I, I don't think I signed up for Getter. Maybe I did. I had a parlor account at one point, but I, I barely ever used it. And it simply seemed like a waste of time. There's a whole bunch of, it's funny because everybody on Parler was like, here, uh, here's whatever I'm saying. And then I say the same thing on Twitter. And it's like, well, I already got what you, what you're saying. 
Now, look, if somebody comes up with a better mousetrap, I'm all in favor of it. But if they don't come up with, if they come up with the same mousetrap, but somebody different and smaller, and eh, no. They sit there and they go, oh, the engagement on this website is, yeah, I've seen the engagement on those websites. They don't really translate to anything. It's seen by some, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I suspect there are as many bots, and I don't trust any company that's starting off that starts belching out huge numbers like, oh, our video platform, we've got this many views, and come to our video. I don't, I don't believe you have that many views. I don't. So I would like to see Twitter be made to function the way Twitter was allegedly created to function. A place where people can say whatever they want within the bounds of the law, not in the bounds of good taste, not in the bounds of corporate speech codes and political sensitivities. If somebody is offended by something, quite frankly, I want to hear more of it. I want to know why they're offended. I want to know what they're offended by. I'm rather curious. And if it's something particularly egregious, I will join the fight against whatever it is. This person is a, a jackass and a racist. I'm down with the cause. But if this person simply happens to disagree with you, or I'm going to get to this later on in the show, Joy Reid is upset that Ron DeSantis did a bill signing with kids around him, and three of those kids were black. And Joy Reid is very upset that, uh, and she's accusing, she wants to know the story of these kids and where are their parents and what's, because they're not really black. They were at a Ron DeSantis bill signing for an anti-woke piece of legislation that says you basically got to keep critical race theory out of schools. Joy Reid doesn't like that. Her whole existence is based on critical race theory. What, do you think she was hired because of her merit, because of her ability, because of her critical thinking, because of her knowledge? Please pay attention to her for 10 minutes and you'll see how big of a joke that concept is. And you'll see how that concept scares the hell out of her. Pretty much scares the hell out of everybody who works at MSNBC, the concept of merit. The concept of you have to deliver. If you want to continue to work here, you have to continue to produce. That scares the hell out of all these leftists. All this stuff is all boiled down to this Twitter fight. It really is. What can be said, what can't be said, the people who are choosing what can't be said are all of one political mindset. And they are expressly forbidding the conveyance of other opinions. As I kind of tell you, it'll tell you the weakness of the liberal argument the weakness of the liberal execution, the weakness of the liberal existence, that even with silencing conservatives and shadow banning, and as somebody who's shadow banned, I get all this stuff, all of these things, even with all of that in the public square, on online, on Twitter, on, on Instagram, on Facebook, on you name it, even with all of that, liberalism is losing. Even while controlling all of that, controlling everything except for a very few cable news channels, one wildly popular, the others not. A couple of websites and maybe a few newspapers and all of social media, even with all of that, Joe Biden's approval rating is in the low 30%. Democrats are poised to have their asses handed to them in the fall. I don't know if that's a testament to the uh, that's a testament to the weakness of the liberalism and the rejection of American liberalism. I was going to say maybe people are listening to conservatives, but they can't hear conservatives anywhere. 
It's a testament to the American people getting full-blown progressivism and going, ugh, and recoiling in horror. More of that, please. All right, I want to shift gears here because I saw this this morning and I thought, my God, what in the hell is wrong with religion? I, uh, I'm a Catholic. My wife became Catholic when we got married. I didn't ask her to become Catholic. She wanted to become Catholic. And she's become, in true Catholic sense, she's already become disillusioned with the Catholic Church, as we all have been, because this pope is particularly awful. It really is. He's just terrible just a terrible pope. And you watch Catholic charities spend all their money on illegal aliens. And it's like, well, I'm not going to give you uh, money to spend on illegal aliens. The Catholic Church has a very specific reason for wanting to pour money into illegal aliens. It makes business sense. It doesn't make legal sense. It doesn't make moral sense. It doesn't do it. And people are dying because the Catholic Church is sort of... um, encouraging them and enabling them to walk 2,000 miles, give tens of thousands of dollars to drug cartels to smuggle them and all the horrors that happen in there. The Catholic Church is enabling all of that. They're, they're ignoring that. The Catholic charities are. They're ignoring that. You know, from, from Honduras to the southern border doesn't exist. Uh, or, you know, what horrible things happen to illegal aliens when they're entered into this country and the human trafficking, the young girls. They just ignore all of that because... They see the United States moving away from religion. This is my conspiracy theory, but I think it holds water. They see the United States moving away from organized religion. Just are. Just a fact. Get used to it. It's not a value judgment, although it can be and probably should be. But that is what's happening in the United States. So, as that happens, the church's power, the church's revenue from the world's economic engine starts to sputter a little bit. Okay? But the influx of illegal aliens, well, that's certainly not going to be a boom right away because these illegal aliens are coming in with no language skills, no, no money, they don't have seed money. They're coming in broke and they are sort of parasites on the system so they're certainly not contributing to it eventually they will eventually if democrats have their way they will be uh, granted citizenship and when that happens they will then be able to work above board and start to amass capital and you know accrue wealth at which point if they maintain their catholicism because in Catholicism is really only thriving in Africa and in South and Central America. If you do that, then boom, you've regained or recaptured at least a decent portion of the Catholic Church's former power. You see how that works? And the money that flows with it. It's not a replacement theory as far as voters go, although that's a perfectly valid, and Democrats are pretty open about that, pretty valid theory. It's a replacement theory as far as churchgoers go. Down in Guatemala, down in El Salvador, down in Venice, all the places down in South and Central America, those are hellholes. It doesn't matter how devout the believers are. It should. That should be the only thing that the, the religion actually gives a damn about. But it doesn't matter how devout the uh, church members are. It is a matter of can they, can they tithe? If they give 10%, 10% of what? 
right? If you make $10,000 a year, 10% is $1,000 a year. Whereas if you start a business and make $100,000 a year, then suddenly you get a lot more money. Those settlements to the Catholic Church don't come cheap. Oh, I know, I'm taking pot shots. Because you can only be disappointed by something you actually care about. I like my religion old-timey. I like the tradition. I like walking into a Catholic church and seeing the beauty of a Catholic church. The, the church itself, the teachings, I don't have a problem with. It's the execution of this pope. It is the execution of the Catholic charities appendage. But you go in there, and I like knowing who the priest is. There he is right there. He's got the robes on. He's all dressed up. He's got the collar, whatever he's wearing. You're all set. You know who people are. You go to these, um, I don't know, you go to these evangelical churches, and like, is that guy, the? is he the pat? What is, I don't know what you call him, but he's just sitting there. looks like he's waiting for a bus. Is he going to speak? What's going on? That's my problem with that. Plus, frankly, since I moved to Washington, D.C., I have never been judged more harshly as a person by the people who are allegedly the evangelicals. You know, that's my problem with that is, it's honestly, I walked in with the long hair and was immediately labeled one thing. I spent my life proving those people wrong. But they, uh, the most judgy people are the people who claim to be the most religious in my opinion, particularly in positions of power. And it's a shame. It's a shame that all this is going to hell. But I like my old-time religion. I like my religion the way it, it was, the way that it was supposed to be. Religion shouldn't evolve. Religion shouldn't go, well, now we're, we're looking at this differently. Okay, We're looking at this totally differently. Why? What changed? Well, uh, attendance dropped, you see, and donations started to dry up. And, well, did God send a memo saying, uh, all right, you got to increase sales, go ahead and drop all this fire and brimstone stuff and you're going to hell and uh, bring in uh, a choir or a dude with a guitar or whatever. Well, this leads me to this story from Breitbart. <sighs> this makes me go on to go back to the Catholic Church. World's first lesbian bishop calls for church to remove crosses to install Muslim prayer space. <clears throat> what? Yeah, Breitbart. The, uh, the Bishop of Stockholm has proposed a church in her diocese remove all signs of the cross and put down markings showing the direction to Mecca for the benefit of Muslim worshipers. Does anybody... What? Now, the, the Church of Sweden, so take it for what it's worth. Eva Brun, B-R-U-N-N-E, who was made the world's first openly lesbian bishop in the Church of Sweden in 2009 and has a young son with her wife, a fellow lesbian priest named Gunilla. Not even, it's like Gunilla, G-U-N-I-L-L-A. Gunilla Linden made the suggestion to make those other faiths more welcome. What do you mean you're going to make the other... It's, it's a, you have a faith. It's not... Is it just a... a it's a place of worship. It's not a church. It's not a mosque. It's not a synagogue. It's just a place. Of, or is it a church? Make others feel more welcome. The church targeted in the Siemens Mission Church in Stockholm, the Eastern Dockyard, in Eastern Dockyards. The bishop held a meeting there this year and challenged the priest to explain why he, what he'd do 
if a ship's crew came into port who weren't Christian but wanted to pray. Well, why the hell is it the responsibility? This is why government, this is why our founding fathers were so brilliant, to keep that wall between church and state. <sighs> Calling Muslim guests to church, uh, to the church angels, the bishop later took to her official blog to explain that removing Christian symbols from the church and preparing the building for Muslim prayer doesn't make a priest any less a defender of the faith. Rather, to do any less would make one, quote, stingy towards people of other faiths, end quote. Now, in your personal life, be as generous as possible towards all of humanity, regardless of their faith, of any faith or no faith whatsoever, okay? Or the de devotion of it. But your church, the church is supposed to be the the center of your faith, right? That's supposed. To, that's where you go. You go out in the world, and the rest of the world is sort of chipping away at your faith. And then you go back to the church, and it restores your faith, or it at least justifies your faith, or whatever. But now if your church is saying, yeah, you know, we kind of suck too. So if you want to, other people have some really good points. No, the point of faith is, it's not just your best guessing. Yeah, we believe in God-ish, yeah, totally, we think that Jesus was the Son of God, probably, or at least, you know, relative, definitely met with him or something. No, there is, there are, there's supposed to be absolutes in religion. And one is, ours is correct. There is nobody, I've never, I've been to a lot of services of a lot of different denominations and a lot of different faiths. I've never seen one going, yeah, we might be right, we might be wrong. Boy, howdy, I don't really know. It's a crapshoot. You know, you just kind of got to... If I no priest has been up there saying, here's what I recommend. Go to all different types of uh, religious organizations. Become a member of a mosque, a member of a synagogue. Cover your bases. And that way, when you die, you know, you'll, you'll be safe. No, that's not how it works. Nobody would have faith. Everybody would be sitting there in the pews going, what the hell? Do you not believe this stuff? Maybe they don't, but it seems as though you, you get far too many people going in. That I am not a big conspiracy theorist in that I believe that there is an organized effort to do these sorts of things and destroy faith and rot it from the inside out like they have pretty much every other institution that the left has infiltrated. I don't think that there are big meetings where they go, all right, now you, be, go, you go become a priest. And then eventually we'll get you into the papacy or something. You go become a rabbi and we'll be, get you super progressive and you become of this and you become of that. No. But I do think that people take it upon themselves. Now they think, oh, I believe I am right in my faith, but then I want to change the church. I want to modernize the church. I want to Modernizing the church is more like, in my mind, bringing in air conditioning and electricity. All right. Modernizing the church is not I want to take all this dogmatic teachings of the church and just kind of slice off some of the stuff that I don't really care for. OK, I'm not a big fan of this whole thing. I'm not a big fan of this. And let's just get rid. You're awfully judgy when it comes to extramarital affairs. So let's get that off. Premarital sex is too much. Let ooh, no, no, let's get rid of this thing and the other. No, that's not. I guess it's reforming, 
but based on political whims is not actual reform. It certainly isn't modernizing. It's not modernizing. But yeah, over there, <clears throat> the bishop insisted this wasn't an issue. After all, airports and hospitals already have multi-faith prayer rooms and converting the dockyard church would only bring it up to speed. Regardless, the announcement has aroused protests because it's a church, okay? A church should be proud of its faith, should it not? Father Patrick Peterson, one of the priests in her diocese and active in the same parish as the Siemens Mission Church, has hit back in a blog of his own, complaining that there is no way you could equate a consecrated church with a prayer room, remarking, quote, I should have thought a bishop would be able to tell the difference. Isn't that nice? Calling the bishop's words theologically unthinking, he asked what was to be done with crucifixes screwed onto the wall and heavy items such as baptismal fonts. Quote, ignoring the rhetorical murmuring, he wrote, the only argument Bishop Ava really put forward in support of her view is hospitality. How do you respond to that? Not much of a basis for discussion, as one colleague put it. The theological, uh, good Lord, I'm not going to be able to, pastoral and working issues are left untouched. And here's the thing. A compass is available to anybody. You can, you can download a compass on your phone. Muslim prayer involves putting down a rug facing Mecca, east generally, although maybe up in Sweden, south, um, but toward Mecca, and praying. And the prayer is pretty short and pretty basic. You can find it online. There's no point. In, I don't want to commit a heresy and repeat it here. But you can lived in Dearborn. I lived in Dearborn, Michigan for six years or whatever. I'm familiar with it. You, you can do it literally anywhere. You don't need a special room. And if you're on a big sh cargo ship, you've got room. You just do it anywhere on the cargo ship. You don't need to be in any place or anywhere. You just have to do it five times a day. The church would be going an extra mile over and above what it's doing for anybody else to do that, which is absurd. And it would be denying their own faith in order to make people of other faiths feel comfortable. Now, if you are a Muslim and you're looking and you just want a place to pray, maybe it's raining, I don't know, and you say, maybe that church will let me pray. You can make it known that, that church will allow you to pray, but you know you're entering a church, would you not? Therefore, there would be, it's a Christian or church. You would know that you're entering a Christian place of worship. Therefore, you would expect some kind of Christian symbolism around, would you not? If you're surprised by it or offended by it, seems to me the problem is yours. And this bishop, this idiot bishop, my God, this is what happens with anything, anything. Once liberals get their claws into it, they ruin it. They infect everything. All right, so while we've uh, addressed, I just, by the way, along the lines of this uh, bishop over in Sweden, I saw this this morning and I thought, is this real? Is this a real thing? Is, and is it now? And it is. It's Lesbian Visibility Week. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Um, well, no, your guess is probably better than mine because mine kind of uh, <laughs> kind of goes crazy. 
but yeah, it's just everybody needs a really lesbian visible. Is there a, a place where lesbianism is not visible? Where are we? Is it the 1960s again? 1950s again? To the left, it's always then. Have you noticed that? It's, they always say, we must move forward, we must progress, and then everything that they talk about in every way, shape, or form makes you think it's 1920 or some, or 1820 or something like that. Like, what are you talking about? No, this country is wildly racist and oppressive. Uh, if you're a marginalized person, uh, sexual orientation, it's just wildly oppressive. And you're sitting there going, what the hell are you talking about? You can't find a TV show without a gay couple in it or a gay character in it. You can't find it. Now it's like every show, Disney's even saying we're going to put more gay couples in everything. Okay, if that's what you think is your great business plan, knock yourself out. But to sit there and say, oh, they're super marginalized. No, I tell you who's getting marginalized is straight people. You talk about the left loves this idea. Oh, we need uh, equity. We must have equity. We They're disproportionately uh, demonstrated in, in society. There aren't enough of this. There aren't enough of that. There aren't enough... And you sit there and you go, what the hell are you talking about? Well, uh, COVID was a, a racist killer, you see. COVID is a problem. It uh, disproportionately impacted uh, people of color, particularly black people. Like, Okay, even within people of color, you have a separate segregation group of, of what color? Okay, if that's how you want to live. But you sit there and you go, what, what does it matter? Why does it matter? What is going on here with everything is we're trying to outwoke each other. No, I'm a victim, but I'm even more of a victim, you see. I'm a, a part of a victim class, but I'm even more deeper part of a victim class. And you're sitting there going, what? When does this end? The Lesbian Visibility Week. Is there like 51 weeks of the year where it's open season on lesbians? Is I... Did I miss a memo again? I'm always missing these memos. I've really got to like just get rid of the spam filter because all of this goes directly into the spam filter, apparently. Where are these people living that this oppression is happening? And you notice it's always leftists. It's always liberals. It's always progressives who live in these super woke, super progressive cities and states. And they've never visited a conservative area in their lives, or if they did, they like, ugh, they needed to take a Silkwood shower. They were so gross. And they walked around and every once in a while, they'll tweet, like these reporters, right? Every four years, and it's going to be starting next year, early next year. Every four years, they dispatch young, quote unquote, journalists to Iowa and New Hampshire. Small town, not that there's big towns in Iowa or New Hampshire, but small, small town Iowa and New Hampshire, because Senator such and such and Governor so and so are going there to glad hand because they're the first in the nation of primary and caucus and the presidential race is starting and they're out there. And these reporters will go around and you'll see them. They usually have names like Gideon. And Travis or things like these names where you're just like, is that a real name? Did, did somebody really name you Gideon? Did your parents hate you? But they, uh, they'll they sit there outside a diner. I was in this diner earlier today, Janet, and I was talking to people about 
who they were supporting and what they thought of Joe Biden and blah, blah, blah. And you sit there and you, and you go, and now I need to really go and scrub off at least two layers of my skin because I've been around really gross people. They're obviously right. They usually tweet these things. It's like a, there was a time when to be considered a serious journalist, you had to like go to a war zone. You had to go to someplace dangerous and do some reporting from there as like a box you had to check like a hazing sort of thing. Like, oh, yeah, we went there. I went to uh, Afghanistan. Oh, all right. Well, then you're a serious journalist. To the modern left, to these new generation of so-called reporters, it is you had to go to a conservative area. You had to go to small town, rural America. And you had to sit there in a diner. Was You had to eat the, I mean, eat the eggs. You didn't have to eat the eggs. And they you just had to, like, write a note on your hand that they do not have tofu bacon. All right, don't ask for tofu anything. Just order the food, mush it around your plate a little bit, and then you can get to your sprouts in the van. After you got to make it look like you ate something. You can eat the toast, but they're probably not going to have an avocado to mash onto it. So you bring your own avocado at your own risk because people will look at you weird, but at least it'll be palatable. And if somebody in your, you know, your coffee house circuit in Brooklyn sees you in B-roll on the news eating a piece of toast, it'll at least have avocado mashed onto it and you'll be okay. It's sick people, but this is, this is kind of how they work. But you're sitting there and you, you, they look at it as though they've gone into combat, as if they've, it's a rite of passage. I went to conservative America. I saw these people. So when you sit there and you hear that it's Lesbian Visibility Week, Monday, today, through Sunday, May 1st. Congratulations, lesbians. Let's, I mean, there are a lot of people. You can make a lot of money this week. <laughs> Going to get in trouble for that. But, you know, you can uh, you sit there and you go, what in the, when are you invisible? When are you invisible? Why are you invisible? Who's this mythical boogeyman hunting you down? And you can't answer that. They can't answer that. There is no answer to that question because it's a stupid question because these people are frauds. They're lying to you. They create victimhood where it doesn't exist because they use that victimhood to control people. If you feel like a victim and you can't really pinpoint who's coming to get you, it's just, you know, it's not even just everybody named Bob is coming to get you. No. It is society, and society comes in many forms. It's like the uh, the destructor, Gozer the Gozerian or whatever. Gozer the destructor in, uh, in Ghostbusters. You choose the form of the destructor. It can be anything because it's society, and it's ingrained in society. Well, you'd scare the hell out of people if they're like, wait a second, you mean... You can't even really tell me who's out to get me, but it's out to get me. But you're going to protect me, right? And the Democrats go, yes, we will protect you. We will be the ones, we're the only ones, in fact, who will protect you. And you breed loyalty into people. You breed loyalty into people. You believe trust, breed trust into people. And you sit there and you go, well, this Florida don't say gay bill. That's anti-LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ. They're trying to stamp us out. They're trying to really hurt us. Don't worry. The Democrats will protect us. It's a six-page piece of legislation. You can read it and you can see that it's not what it's being billed as, but they don't because they've been convinced that somebody's out to get them. This nebulous, 
Somebody's out. Society is out to get them. And they need protection from society, which can't be protected from. But they need protection from society. And the Democrats will do it. And believe it or not, lo and behold, over the course of their daily lives throughout the 51 other weeks of the year that are not lesbian visibility week, they aren't hunted down and murdered. They aren't oppressed. They aren't pushed out of polite society. Nothing happens to them. So their answer is, well, it must be that Democrats have protected us successfully. Thank God for my blind loyalty to Democrats. I have been protected by them. When in reality, it's simply that the whole damn thing was a lie. The whole damn thing was a lie. So there was no boogeyman out to get you. There was no nothing out to get you. You can't... They'll take credit all day long that they have protected you from something that wasn't going to happen. I personally, every day, make sure that you are not knocked in the head by a meteorite and killed. I do that. I do that for you every single day. Don't ask me how I do it. I just do it. So every day that you are not bonked on the head by a meteorite and killed from like a space bullet is a day you really should be thanking me. Be grateful to me. Now, most of you will sit there and go, yeah, all right, it's a funny joke, I get it. And Whatever, you're illustrating the point. If you say that often enough and you say that generationally and you start saying that to kids every day in school from a position of authority, when your parents, the parents have said, you should trust your teacher. You got to listen to your teacher. Do what your teacher says. Listen to adults. If enough left-wing adults start spewing that garbage to you that I, me, I am the one who is protecting you from these space bullets, a small percentage will believe it. And a small percentage of everybody is still an awful lot of people. There is an awful lot of power in the Democratic Party through their brainwashing and through things like it's Lesbian Visibility Week. Okay, I thought we kind of handled this 20 years ago with friends or what, but okay, whatever. Let's see how much this Lesbian Visibility Week crowd and the LGBTQRSTUV gang spends Lesbian Visibility Week criticizing China because, speaking of friends, they have edited reruns of Friends to remove the lesbian storylines in China at the behest of China. They edited, I guess it's not Gay Awareness Week or Gay Visibility Week. I suppose that's another week, but it's coming. They just uh, edited, and it's the same concept. They edited that new uh, Fantastic Beasts movie to remove any references to a gay relationship between uh, the two. I don't know. I don't follow the Harry Potter world, but I read the story. You know the story. It's like Dumbledore and Grundle, whatever. Anyway, Grindelwald. Anyway, that is not a reality that they're selling people. That's not a reality that they're pushing people. Nobody's saying, oh, man, lesbian visibility. We're going to really stick it to the man. We're really going to do that. We're really going to. Nobody cares. 
Nobody cares except for the people who care deeply, and they care so very deeply. And that's usually people who need external validation for their internal existence. And those are the people who are least likely to find it, yet they are the people most likely to find themselves in positions where they can uh, teach children and post on libs of TikTok videos. <laughs> here's what the law says, and here's what I'm going to do. And then they go, oh my goodness, somebody heard me proclaiming my insistence that I will break the law and now I am being removed from my job because I swore not to do my job anymore in a lawful way. And that'll be about the only sort of, quote, oppression, marginalization of various communities that they'll be able to find because the rest of it's just a bunch of crap. It's just a bunch of lies like everything else liberals say my god i was just looking cycling back through twitter and seeing these are just today this is how the left is handling this john dean john dean watergate co-conspirator convicted felon or confessed felon i guess um says i am not uh, uh, not sure i am interested in twitter if elon musk owns it why why elon musk is not a conservative He's not going to force you to look at opinions you don't like. The block button, the mute buttons will still work if that's the world you want to create for yourself. The problem is these little Nazi wannabes want to impose the mute button on you rather than just muting you. I don't, I don't have to see it. You can say it. No, they want to shut you up. It's the difference between plugging their own ears and gagging your mouth. They want to gag your mouth. They don't want to plug their own ears because they don't want anybody to hear what you have to say. And then there's the angry dwarf over there, <clears throat> Robert Reich. Robert Reich is a, a very, very short little, little man. Little, very little man. It's just has nothing to do with uh, his size. He is just a whore. I'm going to see if I can look this up. He's five foot 11 or four foot 11. He really is four feet 11. He was labor secretary under Bill Clinton. He is now a professor at the University of California, Berkeley. Fits in perfectly there with his fascism. And he is a big, big advocate for full-blown communism. It really is amazing watching him. And you sit there and you go, the Democrats insist, the Republican Party's changed, man. Your labor secretary from like 20 years ago is now a committed communist calling for governments to seize corporations. And we've changed? No. We, what do we, like double down our efforts to really embrace individual liberty? It's a... Uh, that's where we are. It's not where you guys are anymore. Robert Reich tweeted, Elon Musk's real goal has nothing to do with the freedom of others. His real goal is the freedom to wield enormous power without having to be accountable to laws and regulations, shareholders, or market competition, which is why he's dead set on owning Twitter. <laughs> well, if that's the case, if Elon Musk rules Twitter with an iron fist of freedom, God forbid, horrible, horrible freedom. But then Twitter would wither and die. Bobby, Bobby, a little angry dwarf, here's a sucker. Um, then you would be out tens of billions of dollars and you would think you'd be happy about that, right? No one's forcing you to be here, Bobby. No one's forcing you to be here. 
but you guys are forcing people to do things. You're forcing people to shut up. You're forcing people to be silent. Who's the fascist here? Who's the bigger threat to democracy that you people scream about all the time? It ain't Elon Musk. We do have a lot of other things I want to get to. I'm going to try and get to them in as quick a succession as I can. This story from the Washington Post is pretty damn funny, if you ask me, because it's typical of the left. It's how they function. The headline, Democrats approach a midterm message but struggle to deliver it. But struggle to deliver. They're struggling to deliver. Why are they struggling to deliver their message? Maybe it's because their message is wildly unpopular and people see through it and know it's a lie. The subheadline, Biden signals a message for the midterms. Democrats bring results. Republicans bring MAGA. But there's little sign the party is delivering it with any energy or regularity. It's because it only works with Democrats. It only works with the media. Oh, watch MSNBC. Count the number of times. Maybe you could find an hour's transcript. CNN posts transcripts of their, their shows. It'd probably be this, roughly the same, maybe a little bit less on CNN. CNN focuses more on January the 6th. But the, the point holds. If you found a transcript of MSNBC and just chose any given hour that wasn't them playing an old interview with Joe Biden, you would find more mentions of Donald Trump than you would of the current president of the United States to the point that if you were just dropped onto this planet, you wouldn't know who the president of the United States was. It must be this Trump guy. It must be this Trump guy. He's enormously powerful. He's able to control everything and burn it to the ground. And somehow Democrats can't get their message out. No, people have heard their message. People are living their message. 8.5% inflation is normal and just something you're going to have to get used to, is their message. Gas prices are high and that's a good thing, but all you've got to do is buy an electric vehicle and you don't have to worry about the gas prices, is their message. All you, if, you, if you're having trouble paying $4 a gallon for gas, drop 50 grand or more on an electric vehicle and you won't have to pay for gas ever again. And over the course of 80 years, you'll make up the difference in savings on gas. Of course, how long do electric cars last before you got to drop at least another 10 grand or whatever on a new battery? Cars, new cars last maybe 10 years. So uh, I assume it's the same or when you start having serious problems. Don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Just drop a bunch of money. Yeah, you know, the Democrats' solution, their message is, if you don't like the cost of meat, go vegetarian. That's literally their message. Go vegetarian. Save yourself a ton of money by going vegetarian. Not, we'll find a way to get this inflation. They're not even pretending inflation is a bad thing. They're pretending inflation is an inconvenience to their re-election hopes. That's it. That's their whole that's their whole campaign. That's the whole concern about inflation. It's not that, oh, geez, we don't want people to have to, you know, eat a salad and have protein deficiencies. No, they want that. They want fewer cows to be bred. They want the cattle industry to go out of business because cow farts cause the planet to get warmer, or so they say. All this garbage, all this gobbledygook. And you sit there and you go... Uh, 
they, what do you mean they don't have an ability to get their message out? The people in the United States are living their message. Democrats control Congress and the White House. We're living in their message. But of course, when you hear these leftists talk, when you hear these leftists report, it's always, the American people are just too damn stupid to get it. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's the guise under which these kinds of stories are written. Washington Post again. President Biden has stepped up his domestic travel schedule, hitting the districts of numerous vulnerable Democrats. He has resumed in-person fundraising, and he is fine-tuning a message criticizing the GOP as an off-the-rails force that, quote, ain't your father's Republican Party. Go with that one, Joe. And then show anybody who believes that garbage. A speech from Ronald Reagan, and you can say, well, this, this could be delivered this year by this year's Republican nominee. And then show them a speech by, hell, Bill Clinton. The era of big government is over. Show them a speech by John F. Kennedy. Show them what John F. Kennedy was actually advocating for as president of the United States and what he did. And say, does this in any way, shape, or form resemble the current Democrat Party? And the answer, the only answer, the obvious answer is no, it doesn't. But yes, it's this ain't your father's Republican Party, Joe. An anxious Democrat party hurtles towards the midterm elections, led by a president whose approval ratings have dropped precipitously. Biden is beginning to put the uh, pieces together for an aggressive campaign to help limit Democrat losses in November. But it's an effort some in the party say is long overdue. And despite Biden's ramped up efforts, there is no finalized comprehensive strategy for the midterms inside the White House. There is no overarching document that outlines the president's involvement in key races, nor a sent or set message that will carry the party through November, according to multiple people familiar with the situation who spoke on condition of anonymity. Even the president has acknowledged that he is struggling to convey to voters what his administration has accomplished, including a COVID relief package, an infrastructure bill, and creating millions of jobs. Yeah, bloated government spending that has led to the inflation we're enjoying so desperately. What's the name of the reporter? That I should have known. Not that I know this reporter, but of course his name's Tyler. <laughs> if it's not Gideon, it's Tyler. Uh, Tyler Pager. But yeah, the American people are fully aware of what the president has done. They got the checks and then they did their taxes and they said, wait a second. You sent me the child tax credit and now I got to pay taxes on that. You cost me more money. I'm used to writing this off. And now because you thought it would be good politically to send people even more money, you started sending people sending parents this money monthly and now we got to pay taxes on it screwing up everybody screwing over everybody people are well aware of that joe people are well aware of that tyler except for you 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 look like you haven't finished puberty yet in your photograph so what do you know about kids the infrastructure bill oh does anybody really give a damn about an infrastructure bill the government is doing what the government is supposed to do okay Great. What about all the other crap in there that has nothing to do with infrastructure? Shh, don't talk about that. You're not allowed to talk about that kind of stuff. And then the idea that this administration created millions of jobs. The American people recognize this is BS. This is garbage. Why? 
because we all know somebody who lost their job during the Democrats' COVID lockdown. We all know somebody who was laid off, let go. Somebody who you know got by on unemployment, got by on unemployment quite well. Some of them were making more money than they were when they were working, thanks to the bonus plan of unemployment insurance. But then those people got jobs. And you think, oh, hey, Earl, I hear you got a job. You uh, get a new job? No, my old job. They opened, they, uh, the state took the boot off the neck of the economy, and my former employer is now able to afford to hire us back, most of us, because, you know, we were allowed to go to work again. Remember, I was talking to wife the other day. Remember at the beginning of this thing when they went to the lockdown? You had to get special permission. There was like paperwork you had to get to show that you were an an essential employee. Being in media, we were essential employees. I never filed for the paperwork. But if you had been pulled over, you had to show your paperwork. They said, oh, the state has determined, because you had to get approved by the government, that you are, in in fact, an an essential employee. Otherwise, you were only allowed to leave your house to go basically to the grocery store or to Target or Walmart or something like that. And that was it. Everything else was closed. If you were uh, going someplace, if you were too far from your home, you had to show your paperwork to say you were an essential employee and you were free to travel. And Democrats loved that. Democrats absolutely loved that. The American people know what's going on. We lived through Joe Biden's presidency. We lived through Democrat control of our government. We don't need a message for that. You can't polish that turd. Quote, I admit to you what I haven't done. And the reason I'm getting on the road again instead of dealing with the day-to-day emergencies in my office is making the case for what we've done, Biden said Thursday at a Democratic fundraiser in Portland, Oregon. That right there should be a a major story. I'm going to read that to you again and then tell you why. Because it, it seems so innocuous and you just you see this senile guy saying it and you go, eh, well, he's just saying that he's what he's what we all know. No, there's an actual should be a scandal in here. So, quote, I admit to you, I haven't done what I, I admit to you what I haven't done. And the reason I'm getting out on the road again instead of dealing with the day to day emergencies in my office is making the case of what we've done. Biden said at a fundraiser. Joe Biden is telling the world, well, telling big dollar Democrat donors, because you don't get in the room with the president of the United States unless you're writing a big fat check to the party. He's telling him he's not doing his job. He's not doing his job. It's not his priority. The day-to-day work of the president of the United States is not his concern, honestly. He's got to go out and campaign. So the day-to-day emergencies, whatever those may be, like, I don't know, war over in Europe, inflation, unemployment, overregulation, all the problems that he whines about constantly, he's not paying any attention to those things because he's out there campaigning. That's not my word saying that. It's his mouth saying that. Read it one more time. I admit to you, that I haven't done what I haven't done, and the reason I'm getting on the road again instead of dealing with the day-to-day emergencies in my office, instead of dealing with the day-to-day emergencies in my office, is making the case of what we've done. 
It's not like we don't understand, Joe. We're living it. When we go to get gas and it is doubled, we are aware of that. When the sale price for steaks are the old normal price for steaks from just a little over a year and a half ago before you were in office, we recognize what the difference is. We do see that. You don't have to make that argument. You're not going to be able to distract from that. Nothing you say and nothing you read off of your magical teleprompter is going to change the fact that gasoline is $4 a gallon. It's just not. It's not going to change the fact that milk is a dollar more per gallon than it otherwise should be. Nothing you can do will make that go away. Yet he's promising to continue to campaign. And frankly, I hope he runs around the country and goes everywhere. So in the past two weeks, Biden has crisscrossed the country to visit Iowa, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Oregon, and Washington. It's a vastly stepped-up travel schedule, including his first trips in nearly a month, besides weekend travel to Delaware and his o- only his second trip to the West Coast since he took office. Now, you got to love that. Oh, he's going everywhere, aside from his weekend trips to Delaware. Why does he go to Delaware every weekend, no matter what's going on? No matter what is going on, he goes off to Delaware. Because he goes to Delaware, because the Secret Service won't keep records of who visits him in Delaware. The White House... They always say the president is the president and everywhere he goes, the White House won't release visitor logs for his beach mansion in Delaware or his inland mansion in Delaware. He gets free reign to meet with lobbyists, handlers, doctors, foreign businesses and entities, whatever, whoever is cutting big fat checks to Hunter Biden. So it seems... That Joe Biden is going to tirelessly campaign for Democrats on his record because they're so horrible at messaging. It's just so tough for them to mess, except on weekends. Now, can you really say that something is so wildly important that you're going to it's going to be your number one priority? You're not going to do your job. You're going to ignore or not give full attention to the, quote, emergencies, the day-to-day emergencies in your office. You're not going to deal with those on a daily basis, but every weekend you got to go to Delaware because it refreshes you or something like that. You're the president of the United States. It's a a seven-day-a-week job. It's not necessarily 24 hours a day. You will get to sleep. You will get to eat. There will be some fun times, but you don't get to go, look, it's Saturday. The office is calling. Let's just ignore it. All right, let's go down to the beach, put our masks on and go play with the dog. That seems to be what Joe is doing. You can't do that, Joe. But yes, the Democrats would have you believe that the problem is the messaging. We The American people, according to the Washington Post, we're just not getting what they're doing for our own good. If we were smarter, we would get it. But until we're smart enough to get it, they're going to have to continue to be the arbiters and Joe is going to have to travel the country and do it. I welcome it. I absolutely welcome it. The more these people speak, unlike the left, the left wants to shut up conservatives. I do not want to shut up conservatives. I want to give them a megaphone. I want to give them TV time. 
I want Joe Biden to give a sit-down interview with, with local journalists. They're more likely than the suck-ups in the national media to give him tough questions. But you notice Joe Biden goes around and gives these speeches and then runs away. He doesn't give any interviews. It's been since the Super Bowl that he has given an interview, not taken a couple of questions, but given an interview. There's a reason for that. And I suspect it has to do with whatever they're doing to him in Delaware starting to lose its efficacy. The medicine isn't working as well as it used to. Because when he speaks off the cuff, he says stupid things. And he was already dumb to begin with. Now, we understand the message perfectly. We see the messenger daily. We, the people, know what's going on. And we're rejecting Democrats. That's what's got them scared. I do love this part of this uh, Washington Post story, though. Democratic strategists say the White House is still moving too slowly and remains too disorganized ahead of the midterms when many Democrats fear the party will lose control of the House and possibly the Senate. Quote, there is as much a plan to win the midterms as there was to airlift Afghans out of Kabul. End quote, said one Democratic political advisor who remains close to the White House. (laughs) He continues, quote, they're putting us all in a bad place. End quote. The advisor who spoke on condition of anonymity to speak candidly about the party's prospects was referencing the chaotic, deadly withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan last summer. You you think so, Taylor? (laughs) I, I just love it. He, he remains close to the White House. He doesn't want to be fired. He's on the payroll. The advisor said the White House's top-down political decision-making process is often impeded by bottlenecks, which hinder uh, coordination with party committees, states, and blah, 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 and donors. Information reaches stakeholders at the last minute, the advisor said. It's not that the message is, doesn't matter. People understand what democratic policies have done to this country and to their wallets. No amount of spin is going to be able to put more money in their bank accounts. They know when they're staring at the pump that $80 has Joe Biden's face all over it. So while the Washington Post is in there going, oh, people just can't get that, Democrats just can't get that message out. Some people are getting that message out. This is... uh, It's a gross story, a sad story, or your feel-good story of the day, depending on just how cynical and perverted you are. This would be a good good test for you, I suppose. This is from the New York Post. A climate activist who lit himself on fire on Earth Day outside the United States Supreme Court has died, according to reports. Yeah. Bruce Wynn, 50, of Boulder, Colorado, died Saturday, a day after he set himself ablaze in Washington, D.C., the Metropolitan Police Department told Fox News. The incident happened around 6.30 p.m. on the plaza in front of the court building. He was airlifted to a local hospital where he died. A Facebook page belonging to a person named Wynn Bruce, it's W-Y-N-N, Bruce, said he was a Buddhist and a climate change activist. This is, that's their religion. In 2020, Bruce left a cryptic Facebook comment that included a fire emoji and the date of his death, 4-22-2022. Back in 2020. All right. 
Good Lord, he really did. There it is. A Buddhist priest from Boulder said he knew Bruce and called his death an act of compassion. These people are sick. These people, this is, if you're trying to polish a turd, this is like, where do you, how are you going to polish this? Why do you spend, you sit there, somebody burned themselves up and you go, well, he's a man of compassion. Was, this was an act of compassion. Well, what's the carbon footprint of burning human flesh and clothing? I don't know. Quote, this guy was my friend. He meditated in our Sangra, the Buddhist community. Dr. K. Critchie wrote, this act is not suicide. It is a deeply fearless act of compassion to bring attention to the climate crisis. We are piecing together info, but he had been planning it for at least one year. Nobody, none, none of, I don't know what, it, kind of, there he is with his little puka shell necklace. Nobody in this guy's orbit was like, so what are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm going to go set myself on fire. Over the course of years, they said if, if they, they knew that this was being planned, are they not accessories? Are they not all accessories? Planning it for at least one year. Supreme Court police said they were still investigating the man's motive for self-immolation. No one else was injured in the incident. Earlier in the day, four people were shot when a gunman suddenly opened fire in a residential area of the northeast section of the city, forcing residents and schools to lock down and shelter in place. The gunman was later found dead. Maybe he did that for the environment as well. Who knows? A spokesman for the Supreme Court said on Friday that Bruce's death was not related to the shooting and not a public safety issue. The disturbing incident was just the latest sack. Uh, act of self-emulation, emulation, however you pronounce that, in Washington, D.C. In 2019, Arnav Gupta of Bethesda, Maryland, set himself on fire outside the White House. He died shortly after due to in injuries. In 1965, pacifist Norman Morrison was killed when he set himself on fire outside the Pentagon to protest the war in Vietnam. I wouldn't say that this is the latest act in like a disturbing act. and If the one is from four years ago, three years ago, and the other is from 1965, 56 years ago or whatever, I don't, uh, I don't think this is a trend. Call me crazy. But um, this is a cult. There's really no other way to look at the cult. Friends and if friends are sitting there going, well, you know, he cared passionately about this sort of thing. Instead of, this is horrible. I can't believe he did this. What a sad thing. He clearly had some mental problems, and I wish we had seen the signs earlier. And look for the signs of mental problems, ladies and gentlemen, and your friends and your family, and make sure that they don't go. If they go down this road, if they're in the environmental movement and they're chaining themselves to things and they're gluing themselves to other things and they're popping the tires on SUVs and that's a sign of mental illness, but you're not allowed to say that anymore. You're not allowed to say, look, if, if being a, somebody who wants to cut your genitals off because you got a feeling isn't a sign, if you can't even refer to that as mental illness anymore, you can't go that far. Somebody's willing to butcher their body. You can't say that's obviously in need of professional help. Instead, you have to celebrate it. You have to embrace it and think, my goodness, it's just so wonderful. What a cheerful time. If that is what you have to celebrate, then you, this is, I would say this is a step uh, towards sanity 
more so than you know away from sand more than toward crazy i think mutilating your body and demanding that what clearly is isn't is more insane than this not by much not by much but um we're not allowed to point out those things anymore we're not allowed to say hey win bruce of i assume win bruce there's nothing in this story about win bruce being married there's nothing in this story about Win Bruce having a family. There's nothing about in this story about his children will miss him. His children are trying to figure out, make sense of it. His wife or husband trying to make... Nobody's seemingly trying to make sense of this. Which might be, at age 50, the problem that Win Bruce ultimately had. Is that he was disconnected from society from his fellow human beings in a way. And if you look at this, now this is the extreme. I admit this is the extreme. But if you look at this in the way you look at the videos that say libs of, of TikTok are, you know, the, the, the people who make those videos, what they're doing, it's, it's the same thing. Not as extreme, but it is the same thing. And you think... These are mental disorders. These are things that need professional help. No political cause is worth setting yourself on fire over or killing yourself over. Yet the people who are quoted in this article saying, hey, this is a good thing. This is the way it goes. This is what you should do. He just cared deeply about it. It was an act of compassion, not of suicide. I don't know what Dr. K. Critty, K-R-I-T-E-E. -E. I'm not sure what Dr. K. Critty does for a living, a doctor of what, but I think that somebody should probably try to have a conversation with him and try to explain to him how setting yourself on fire is not compassionate, not compassionate at all. Speaking of not compassionate, Hunter Biden. Now, you don't really think of Hunter Biden as compassionate. He left his wife for his sister-in-law. He cheated on his sister-in-law. He was probably cheating on his wife with every stripper and hooker he could get his hands on, doing coke and crack and everything. Well, now we got this story, Fox News. Hunter Biden sent an email to his brother-in-law's widow, Hallie Biden, pressuring her to get an HIV test as their relationship deteriorated in 2018. Uh, July, uh, about a month before he fathered a child with another woman. In an email titled, You Need to Get Tested for HIV, Hallie, and it's all in caps, which is probably not an email you want to get. Obtained by Fox News Digital, Hunter demanded that Hallie get tested for HIV and inform him of the results that day. <laughs> the email also accused Hallie of turning Hunter's niece against him and called on Hallie to seek, quote, serious long-term professional help. Well, I would agree with that last part. If you're watching this crack-smoking moron brother-in-law of yours really just uh, sleep his way through the eastern seaboard uh, while he's raking in a lot of money, he's, he, nobody's like a casual crack smoker or a, you know, a functional crack smoker, not like drunk. If you're watching that and you go, yeah, yeah, I'm going to break up his marriage. I've got to be with that. You do probably desperately need professional help. 
I'm just saying the signs are all there. Now, speaking, since we're talking about Hunter Biden, who's clearly not father of the year, this guy might be. This guy might be. And there's no city attached to this. I don't know where it is. It's it's from the Daily Mail Australia. Could be from anywhere. But it's an interesting morality tale. A dad has uh, has unleashed on his son's teacher after she insisted he invite the entire class to a birthday party. Hmm? The man turned to Reddit to ask if he was in the wrong for losing his temper and swearing at the teacher after she demanded he host the whole class so no one feels left out. This This is modern progressivism in a nutshell. The 38-year-old said while the teacher had no business telling the family who they can and can't invite to their party, he worries he took it too far by swearing at her. Now, I, maybe he did. Maybe he took it too far by swearing at her. But the, the sentiment, definitely justified. The man said his son Al's teacher called him up after she found out he was having a birthday party and had invited only nine of the 24 kids in class. Quote, she tells me that she understands he is having a birthday party and that he invited a few of his friends from class, but not everyone. I said, yeah, there are a few kids in there that he has a problem with. And also, I don't think we can really handle hosting 24 kids and their parents, he wrote. The teacher proceeded to tell the disgruntled dad that she has a rule that if any of the children in class are invited to a birthday party, then everyone has to be invited. Quote, I told her it's an event off school hours on private property in my home. She can no more tell me what to do there and who I can and can invite any more than I can decide who is invited to her Thanksgiving dinner, he said. However, the teacher was insistent. Sound familiar? These teachers are trying to control. They try and override the parents when their kids are in class. And they are pushing through now to just going straight to the parents and saying, no, 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 I'm in charge here. Uh, However, the teacher insisted, saying she enforces the rule so no kid, quote, gets their feelings hurt or feels left out, end quote. I pointed out to her, he said, that there are 24 kids in that class. If their parents attend the party with them, that can be upwards of 72 people. And I told her that's just not a reasonable thing to ask. He said he asked if he then would need to invite the entire classes of his son's other friends who had not been invited, but the teacher stood her ground. She said, quote, Al, this is Al is in my class. He is under my supervision. This is my rule. Then I told her that Al is only under her supervision while she is in class. And see, this is what I've always been talking about. You want to pay some child support, you can have some say. You're a teacher. They're not your kids. They're not your kids. You're not a compatible organ donor, right? Uh, It was only under his supervision while he was in class. Quote, I am the one throwing the party and she does not get to make the rules for my house or me. She then said if it involves her class, she does. (laughs) Imagine this teacher. I would have committed a hate crime by now, I'm sure. Uh, After a bit of back and forth, the dad said he lost his cool, telling the teacher that her authority does not go further than the end of the school day and the schoolhouse gates. Quote, 
If you think you're uh, the one to make the rules for me in my home, which I pay the mortgage on, you can go F yourselves. And there isn't a GD thing you can do about it, he said he told her. That's where he's wondering if he went too far. And his wife says she's very com- she's perfectly fine with what he said up to the point of the swearing. And that's really, are there people out there beating themselves up over swearing? I can't imagine there are people out there beating themselves up over swearing. But if they are, let me just tell you, <laughs> as somebody who quite enjoys a good curse word, no, no, you're not in the wrong. The only thing you did wrong, dude, was wait too long to tell this teacher to go F herself. The only, that's the only thing you did wrong, is take too long to get to that point. Anybody starts to try to tell you who you got to invite, anything you got to do inside your home, right then and there is when the conversation should end. This person should not be having a discussion with it. The, the nerve of this teacher, the, the gonads of this teacher to go, oh, you should have to, I must express myself. I, no, nobody wants to hear you. Nobody cares what you think about this. But if you want to go down that road, let's open up your house. Let's see what you've got, because I guarantee you that with 24 kids in your class, 24 sets of parents out there, there is plenty that you do in your off hours that many of them, and it really only takes one, doesn't it? Many of them have a problem with that seemed inappropriate, that they deem inappropriate. So you want control over them, then they're going to have control over you. Turnabout is the fairest of plays, is it not? Sure should be. Uh, I, would, I would have not waited that Like My first thought would have been, what in the F are you doing? trying to talk to me about this none of your damn business all right you're not invited go away i'm speaking of somebody who's not invited lastly i want to what would it be without joy reed joy reed is very upset he had a bill signing ceremony last week ron DeSantis down in florida had children around him it's funny because some people on the left were out on twitter going when did children become props political props and people were tweeting pictures of barack obama's bill signing and joe biden's bill signing where they're just buried in kids like oh gee i don't know but uh it doesn't history begins anew every day for these leftists uh so ron DeSantis is there there's four children in the picture at least that are the children maybe five because it looked like some hair there uh who are black and it's an anti-CRT critical race theory bill, the Woke Act, keeping this racial politics, this garbage of teaching black kids, you're victims and you're never going to get ahead. This country is racist, fundamentally so, into its core. Not denying the reality of the history of this country and some of the bad parts, because Democrats did that stuff. But saying, saying, you know, can't preach this stuff to kids, that it still exists to this day, it's not true. And these kids' parents, they didn't pick these kids up off the street and say, come on, hold this sign and come to this. These kids' parents willfully brought them to this event. And Joy Reid sees this picture and her being a race-obsessed chud monster, really bad person, racist piece of garbage, tweeted out, quote, the misuse of black boys is tantamount to child abuse. I would, re- she doesn't, She's the one who said we pay too much attention to missing white women. What about all the missing black women and, and indigenous women? And then never did anything about any of it. Like, okay, you got a TV show. 
Granted, not that many people watch it, but you could do all of these things you're complaining never happen. She now said this is tantamount to child abuse. She ignores real child abuse. She ignores the children being murdered weekly in Chicago because she doesn't care. Said, I would really like to hear the backstory on these kids were, uh, were and how they wound up at a DeSantis event. Given how anti-black DeSantis is, using black children this way is extra sick. Go to hell, Joy. You should, if that's, just go to hell. God, what a disgusting person around DeSantis anti-black. What a pig. Oink, oink. We're out of time for today, though. I appreciate you listening, spreading the word. Be back here tomorrow. Have a great one.